I think because I enjoy my work so much as well, it's hard not to just work when you have spare time. So I have to say I'm not really there with that yet. I'm Colin Gray and this is UK Business Startup, where we are about to get productive. If you've been following along, there's a chance you've made the leap by now. Are you already working for yourself? Or your own company, of course. If you are, I want to ask you this. How many times have you been asked about whether you work in nothing but your pants? It always seems to me that 99% of the working world think that the main advantage of self-employment is not having to wear clothes. And of course, that is part of it, to be fair. But the other part, the more serious one, is suddenly being in control of your own working life. Now you can choose what to do and when you do it. It's freedom at last. Or is it? The problem is, businesses tend to be more than just a job. There are three jobs, five jobs, even ten, all rolled into one. Especially in the early days, you're doing everything. Suddenly freedom looks more like 14-hour days, seven days a week, because there's always something to do. That's why this week we're talking about your working life. That means schedule, priorities, productivity, and making sure you have a real life alongside it all. Let's look at the small view first. One day. When no one's telling you what to do, how the heck do you make the most of it? I was quite used to that from sort of my corporate job, I suppose. I was always a a team leader and had to plan the direction of the department and not just plan my own days, but plan um, the days of, of my teams and things like that as well. So it wasn't something that was completely new to me. That was Laura Lucas, a new guest on UK Business Startup. She's a business coach at Inspirential and works on her own. This is how she starts to plan her day. I know that I want to help as many business owners and leaders as I can. So that means I need to find those business owners and show them what I can do to help them and get them on board with me. Uh, So that's then broken down into a number of different activities. So putting up information online that's going to attract those sorts of people, going out and meeting people proactively through networking and then getting them into meetings um, and showing them my expertise and making sales ultimately. So I've got to make sure I'm doing those sort of activities every single day. So that helps knowing, knowing what the overall goal is. So this is it. Our days aren't really our days. They're just one small part of the wider goal. I think you have to be quite strict with yourself that you set aside some time just for you. And not only time just for you, but time to think. Because it's very easy to get bogged down in your day-to-day business. A business needs you to stop and think about what's coming next and mistakes that you've made and how you can rectify them. Don't worry, we'll get back to the real detail on how to plan your working day, but this comes first. The only way you're going to have an effective day and to grow your business is by having each day move you just a little bit further towards your main goal. Patricia Maguire said it well there. It's really easy to get bogged down, to end up doing busy work that doesn't really push you forward. It sounds ridiculous when your income depends on avoiding that, but it happens to us all. I started to fall into that trap probably early last summer. I had a period when I was really, really busy. And then I have two times in the month when I do my accounts because I don't have masses of transactions in my business. So I just sit down for half an hour twice a month and do that. And I sat down and realised that I hadn't brought in any new business for three weeks, even though I'd been really busy. And that gave me a real wake up call. And it was quite lucky that I did that. You, You can be a busy fool, can't you? Laura's got a good method there. She's got a system in place every fortnight where she checks her progress. 
Her aim is clients. She wants to help as many people as she can and earn an income from that, of course. So she sits down, fortnightly accounts. What's my goal? New clients? Well, have I brought any in yet? No. (laughs) Well, damn. Let's see, what can I do to change that? Once you've got your overall goals, how can we start to break it down so that it leads us to effective days? So I'll make a a sort of three-month plan, really. I find it, for making detailed plans, I find three months is about the right timescale for me. And I'll know what I want to achieve in that three months and break it down into step-by-step tasks. And then each week, I try and batch tasks and stick to the same sort of activities. I would say have a schedule for every day or for every week, plan your week ahead and schedule in all your tasks and give them priorities. So what's the most important, what's the least important, put them in that order and schedule them into your diary. That was Julie Christie from Tea Break Talk joining the show and giving a good example of where the long-term planning leads us. Once you have your three-month plan, you break them down into monthly goals and then weekly goals. And once you have that level of detail, you're ready to really schedule in the work. Mostly on a Monday, I'm in the office doing things like writing blog posts, writing social media posts, writing new material for clients and things. Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays are a mixture of seeing clients and meeting new prospective clients and things. And Friday, I generally only work the morning on a Friday and that's more for projects and and really thinking about moving the business forward. So I I stick to that as much as I can. It doesn't have to be perfect. But each week with my three-month plan, um, I sit down on a Thursday afternoon and plan what my next week's going to look like so all the activities that are coming up I actually put them into slots in my calendar. I do completely the same monthly goals to weekly goals to small tasks and those are then scheduled into the calendar Monday morning. Now you're probably thinking it sounds a bit of a pain to stick to that a bit onerous but it's exactly the opposite actually. When I'm sitting at my desk, I never have to think about, oh, what should I do next? I know what I have to do next. Because when you have that uncertainty, that's when procrastination can creep in. But if you know exactly what you're going to do, you can just get your head down and do it. I always think this is a bit ironic because one of the big attractions of going self-employed is the chance to be your own boss. But the thing is, that freedom actually comes with a big price. And procrastination is a big one. This type of scheduling is kind of like creating a little boss in a spreadsheet. Someone who's telling you what to do every minute of the day. And the thing is, with that discipline comes a whole new type of freedom. That's the freedom that comes with knowing that you're not missing things, you're not wasting your time. You're moving forward just a little bit every single day. So, what if you want to start off a little easier? You're not ready to go full day schedule yet. What's the alternative? It's always a tough one, isn't it? The productivity, getting that in order. This is Andy Brown from TripleYourClients.com who's helped us out before. I use products like All Things and Slack and Evernote to control and also pen and paper comes in very useful at the end of the evening when you're trying to work out right what's the, what's the priority at the next day. I'm a strong believer in having all that technology but sometimes you just need to reach back and, and, and think right what, what, what have we got on my plate and I've got some stick no, sticky notes all over the place and bits of paper and I just you know I put it in a put it in an all things list or I'll look at an Evernote things to do sort of file and I'll, I'll, I'll work through that but generally to to make sure that I, I'm getting the stuff done I need to prioritize and so I need to work out what the top three things are the next day. 
Andy's method here is a good start. At a minimum, at least finish the day by planning your next one. What are the next two or three jobs that will move your business forward? Get them down on a sheet of paper and get them done first the next day. I also tend to use a timer quite a lot as well. So I'll I'll set like the Pomodoro technique. Don't know if you've heard of that one. So it basically works on 25 minute intervals. So you set a timer for 25 minutes and you work for 25 minutes and then you stop and have a five minute break and do another 25 minutes. And what I find good about it is um, you can sit there and think, all right, I need to write this blog post. Um, and maybe it's going to take as long as it takes. And then you'll get halfway through and you'll be like, oh, I'll just have a wee look on Facebook or something like that. But if you've got 25 minutes, you think, right, I'm going to focus on this for 25 minutes. And I'll kind of race myself in that 25 minutes to get the first draft of the blog post written. And if I start, my mind starts to wander, I'll think, oh, I'm at 17 minutes. I've only got eight minutes to finish this. And it just keeps me on track. The Pomodoro technique is pretty well known in productivity circles. It's a great way to break up your day and to stay productive. You chop any task into 25 minute sections and have a wee five minute break at the end. That's your reward for a good chunk of focus, as Laura says. Okay, so the problem is this is all easily said, not so easily done. Your business does tend to have a life of its own and in my experience at least it fights against the work I do to manage it. I've already mentioned the long days, the seven day working week and it's an easy trap to fall into. So how can we deal with that? When you're thinking about your workload as a new business or an entrepreneur, it's very important that you make some time for yourself within the week because you will very quickly become burnt out Starting a business, running a business, owning a business takes up practically every second of your time, your mental space. I mean, the lifestyle I have, if, if, if I'm feeling stressed or, you know, feeling as if uh, the world's on top of me or on my shoulders, then I can just open the door and walk the dog. You know, as simple as that is, it means I can get back, get out there and then get back and I'm in a better frame of mind to, to attack the day. You knew it was coming, didn't you? This is the eternal struggle with work-life balance. It's bad enough when you're working for a company, but as soon as you're the ultimate boss, it jumps by a factor of 10. How do you keep that endless task list under control, but still have a life? I am not good with boundaries between work and personal life. It's something that's on my to-do list, (laughs) is to try and be better at that. Um, I work from home so it's really hard to create those boundaries or to, and to keep them because I can see my desk you know everywhere I go in my house all open plan I can see my desk and that's really hard to stop yourself from working I think probably having a separate workplace from your living quarters is a really good idea which is something I don't have yet and I hope to have I think that will really improve that situation Um, But my workload, I think because I enjoy my work so much as well, it's hard not to just work when you have spare time. So I have to say I'm not really there with that yet. Julie's situation is really common. A lot of people that start working for themselves have no office, so you're just taking up a desk at home. The problem is you love the work, you're passionate about it, so it doesn't feel like a stress to just get something done when you have a spare minute. But that means evenings, weekends... And as much as that doesn't bother you right then, long term, that's not good. You need the downtime. And of course, that's not even considering others in your life yet. It is tough because um, 
you don't want to be working all hours and you've got to respect the hours of the people that you that surround you, you know, your children and your and your your partner or your wife, whatever. You need to really be respectful of that because if they've had a hard day working, they come in and you're still working, then you've got to acknowledge that they're they're in their downtime and then you might still be in a project and it can it can get tough. I've started to more and more schedule my downtime which sounds a wee bit sad actually but I find if I schedule things in I schedule fun things in so if I know I've got loads of fun stuff to do at the weekend I don't have time to do housework so I know I need to do housework in the evenings. When work is over it's over you close that computer down and you leave so I would definitely say try and have very clear boundaries physical boundaries and if you work from home very physical boundaries where you work and where you play so that you can close that door and forget about it so and that's something I can't do however I do try and schedule what I'm doing each week and what I'm doing each day so that I can get through that work and hopefully close it down at the end and leave it till the next day I mean it's all common sense but it's also commonly ignored And there's always situations where you have to ignore it. I mean, if that client job needs finished tomorrow and it's not quite done, then who else is going to do it? In situations like that, Andy's suggestion is good. He mentioned respect for the people around you. Talk to your partner, your kids, tell them the situation. Communication really is key. If you do that, the occasional or or not so occasional late night won't be quite so much trouble. Now, let's have a quick look at the other type of overworking, and this one's a lot more insidious. I do a lot of networking via social media, and that's where the boundaries get really blurred, because I really enjoy it, and it's a fun social thing, and it's a work thing, and sometimes I can be telling myself, oh, I'm doing this because it's a work thing, but I'm actually pretty much just wasting my time and wasting my energy and not being present for my family. So it's something I've been conscious of, certainly the last week or so, and I actually have times when I, I... go and put the phone away in a different room, switch it off, you know, for an hour or so and make sure that I'm taking breaks from it. I've got to admit, I'm a bad one for this. My wife's watching someone on TV. I'm not that bothered about it. So I'll pull out the laptop and just fiddle away with a few easy tasks, get a few things out of the way. But Laura's right. I'm not present and it cuts out any chance of chat, whether it's about the programme or just general life. And it also means I'm not really relaxing. And I know that after a few days of this, I do notice it. It keeps that base level of stress and anxiety just that much higher when you're just always doing a little bit of work, not quite switching off. I can tell you from experience, it's really not good for you. Keep that working time deliberate and don't let it bleed over into your home life. Sometimes I make a conscious choice to spend an hour, maybe just usually what I'll do in the evening because I'm a morning person. By evenings, I'm not really up for doing much hard work, but I'll maybe do a bit of research or I'll do a wee bit of sort of social media networking with a work head on kind of thing. So for me, it's, it's a mixture between work and fun, but it is a conscious decision to do a wee bit of work some evenings and if I've got a project going on. But yeah, it's definitely planning in the things, you know, the fun things and the family things that you want to do. And then you have to make the work fit around that. A conscious decision, that's the key. Plus, of course, we're not ruling out a flexible schedule. That's one of the reasons we do this after all. So work whenever you like, as long as there is some downtime in there. I've never found it difficult to pick up the pieces late in the evening and get on with three or four, five hours more more work. Uh, a lot of people would struggle with that. They would find it almost impossible. And like anyone, I enjoy TV, films, uh, just you know, just chilling out in the evening. But I can chill out in the evening 
and then still get back to work afterwards and that's a sure sign that I enjoy what I'm doing I mean also there's a pressing need to get the work done but some people everyone would make an excuse about that uh, even if when it's their own business and that might be a reason why they fail that's interesting that's the second time this has come up loving your work a sure sign I enjoy what I'm doing as Andy said and that's usually the biggest benefit of running your own business it makes up for a lot of the downsides for me but as you've heard you've got to watch it doesn't lead you into the trap of never quite switching off Okay, I know the objection that's popping out of your mouth right now, and it's something that's both the lifeblood of your business and the bane of your existence. Yeah, I'm talking about clients. Yeah, it is really tricky. For me, it's not been so much an issue of accessibility. I'm, I'm set pretty firm boundaries with my clients that yes, they can contact me, but I'm often with other clients, so I won't necessarily... I tend not to take phone calls. It tends to mostly be through email unless it's it's by prior arrangement. Um, and they're usually clear that I might not even answer them that day. So, for example, I might someone might be emailing me right now. Um, I'll go home from here. I'll be straight into kids and chaos, and then it's evening. And I might answer them this evening, but they'll they already know that it might be tomorrow before I answer them. So that's not so much the issue. So Laura's spot on there. Clients are trainable. They'll expect what you lead them to expect. So if you answer an email even once at the weekend, then they'll expect that from then on. It's the cliched advice as well. Communicate with them, set those boundaries that Laura mentioned and coach them to expect a reasonable amount from you. I've often found that being less available actually makes a client take you more seriously. It shows you run an established business with real systems and processes and they can't quite take the mic. I think that's all right, especially because I coach my clients on setting clear boundaries and not always being completely on and completely accessible. So it's up to me to kind of set that example as well. So when I say I'm taking a week off off the grid, I think people get it and I don't think it's that big of a deal. Some of you might have more than just clients. You might have an audience. If you're putting out great quality content like a blog, a podcast, videos or even printed materials, how do you deal with a break there? So if I'm not there, then there's maybe blog posts not going out. There's maybe stuff on social media not happening. Um, But I can schedule those things in advance and I can either decide to check in with them while I'm on holiday, you know, just to interact with some social media posts and things like that. Or I can just make it clear to my audience that I'm actually taking a week off. Again, it's communication. Tell people what's happening and funnily enough, they'll understand. If they like your material, they know you're a human being and that means time off every now and again. Okay, I'm going to start to tie this up. The final thing I want to cover is about something a bit deeper. Not only managing the work that you do, but choosing the work that you do. I was actually listening to Michael Hyatt's podcast this morning and he was talking about, now what was the phrase he used? Doing less to achieve more. And he talked about how when we say yes to something, we're actually saying no to something else. So for example, I've said yes to come in here and do this podcast. It means I'm saying no to going home and writing another blog post, for example. So it's just being very conscious about these things. This is huge. Especially when you're starting out, you feel like you have to say yes to everything. You can't pass up an opportunity. But remember what Julie said in the marketing episode. She talked about finding the right clients and how beneficial that is in the long run. Laura's mentioned a good method there. 
And the way I do it, something I heard years ago is the no or the hell yes test. So if somebody asks you to do something and the answer isn't a massive hell yes, then it should be a no. Don't take on anything that makes you less than excited. It's just in between. It's just an average yes. Chris Marr, who you've heard in previous episodes, does the tomorrow test. So if I was asked to do this tomorrow, would I say yes? We let a lot of average or time-sucking things sneak into the diary because they seem far off at the time. But then when it actually is tomorrow, you'll often end up thinking, why on earth did I say I'd do this? Okay, I know, easier said than done. And we've all taken on work in the early days just to pay the bills. But keep what Laura said in your mind. Everything you say yes to is saying no to something else. For me, certainly in my business, I have to be not worried about money so that I can be present to to solve my clients' problems. If I'm at the back of my mind thinking, where am I going to get the next client? I'm not actually doing a good job for them. So, yeah, I, I actually set money goals every month and set activities around those money goals that are daily. So I make sure I'm, I'm taking proactive action to make money every single day. That's just it. That one action every day helps to ease your anxieties about money. It needs to be built into your long-term plans as well as your daily schedule. And that's what brings in more clients, more work, more sales, all of which helps you to do the work you love. In the end, it's a combination of everything we've talked about today that leads to a healthy business. That's long-term goals which lead to clear tasks, tools which shuffle them into productive days, clear boundaries around when you're on and when you're off, deep thought about what work you actually take on. Now, no one gets this right straight away. And even with years of experience, you'll fall off the wagon from time to time. But keep it all in mind and you're already ahead of 90% of the businesses out there. This was UK Business Startup and thanks for following on with another episode. As always, you can find a summary and everything we've mentioned here at podhost.me forward slash startup. That's podhost.me forward slash startup. Now, something I'm wondering about this week, is there anyone you know who would find this show useful? If there is, it'd be amazing if you could pass it on. Tell them about the show, tell them how to subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. It helps us get the show out there to more people, help as many people as possible. Feel free to copy us into a tweet with them if you like, and I'll do my best to talk them into it too. You can get us at The Podcast Host on Twitter. This show was produced by The Podcast Host, and you can check out all of our work and how to podcast at thepodcasthost.com. Now, next time on the show, we're talking about networking how the people you meet and get to know have a huge effect on your business. And I'm talking much more than just clients. I'll see you then.